Hey folks, Sean Ingle here, host of Just One of the Guys, the podcast that you just downloaded and are getting ready to listen to. Anyhow, just here to say there's a couple of changes coming to Just One of the Guys. Mainly, Just One of the Guys is moving. From now on, the lips and feed will be pretty much done with. This will be the last show I'll be posting to the Libsyn site, so it's over. For the Libsyn site, that is. However, it's not over for Just One of the Guys, as the Two True Freaks Network has snatched the Just One of the Guys show up, and they're hosting it on their own brand new podcast website, twotruefreaks.com. So, if you want to catch episodes of Just One of the Guys, you can definitely go to twotruefreaks.com and find it there. Of course, all of you people who are subscribing through iTunes, you will probably not even see a lick of change, because I'll be changing the Libsyn feed to the Two True Freaks feed, and you'll still be getting your favorite show. Well, you'll be getting this show, at least. Plus, if you want to, you can also go to iTunes and subscribe to Two True Freaks, the number two, and you'll also get my show, as well as all the fine Two True Freaks shows, like Who True Freaks, The Vault of Starling Monster Horror Tales of Terror, Comics, Star Trek, and Star Wars Monthly Monday, Hope of All Trades, oh... Myriads of other shows. Garage Sale Gloat's a new one. Plus, you'll also get uh, new shows from uh, Dinner for Geeks, which is a show that features Scott Rifund, a friend of ours that we met at Star Wars Celebration. So definitely go check out the Two True Freaks website at twotruefreaks.com and know that you're going to be getting all your Just One of the Guys podcasts there from now on. And now, on with our show. going to go ahead and bring us back in. You're listening to Just One of the Guys, where in honor of my special guest, I'm going to play an intro song from one of the greatest bands to come out of the UK. And also, I spelled honor with a U. Hello and welcome to another episode of Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast. This is an internet radio show dedicated to bring you coverage of the Green Lantern comics from cover date June 1990 until cover date November 2004, with a special emphasis on the characters of Guy Gardner and Kyle Rayner, one who's dealing with the Flash, and one who's dealing with ridiculously long hair. I'll let you guess which one is which. 
Hi, my name is Sean Ingle, and today we're going to be covering uh, the duo of issues of Green Lantern number 67 and Guy Gardner number 36. Uh, the Green Lantern number 67, we'll get to in a minute. Guy Gardner is a, a crossover with Underworld Unleashed, which is a very under, well, it's a very underappreciated uh, crossover that happened in the mid 90s, uh, written by Mark Wade. Uh, we'll get to a little bit more talking about that when we get to the issue, but basically, Guy Gardner is coming back to his bar. Except it's not really Guy Gardner, it's Guy's clone. And he's got some ridiculous power glove armor things. It's the 90s. Deal with it. Over in Green Lantern, however, we get part two of the storyline that teams up the bestest buddies in the world, Wally West and Kyle Rayner. Well, maybe not the bestest buddies in the world, but it's a starting point for them. And of course, because this episode is dealing with the character of the Flash, I have none other than excellent podcast host and host of Flash Legacies, Mr. Dave Walker, back on the show for week 17 of Co-Host of Palooza. Hey, Dave. Nice to have you back. Thanks very much. I'm back again. Yay. That, that week just went by in a flash. I see what you did there, sir. Thank you. Don't peel back the curtain. They think this is done briefly. There is no curtain. Only Zool. Wait, I think I'm mixing up my quotes now. Oh, Lord. We're just recovering from that last Guy Gardner episode. Issue. Issue episode. We'll see if it gets any better this time. Uh, But... As usual, I'm going to take a little break, uh, plug some promos in here, and when we get back, we'll get started on the epic coverage of Green Lantern number 67. Stay tuned, folks. On June 3rd, return to the fight for freedom. In the name of adventure. All together now. It's not over yet. Chris Honeywell and Scott Gardner present the last chapter of the Marvel Comics Star Wars saga. All together now. With newly enhanced audio effects, THX and digital sound, and a few new surprises. Live the magic. Experience the power. And feel the force one last time. On June 3rd, the last chapter in the Marvel Comics Star Wars saga. All together now. Only at twotruefreaks.com. In the decade of the 1930s, even the great city of Cleveland, Ohio, was not spared of the ravages of the Great Depression. 
In a time of fear and confusion, a character emerged that would entertain and inspire millions of children and adults alike. He began not as flesh and blood, but as a simple line drawing. His comic book adventures thrilled millions around the world. The magic of radio gave to his name a breathless signature and sound. Then with television came a whole new generation to idolize his exploits. In the 70s, the world believed a man could fly. In the 80s, he was reborn in the comics, and the 90s saw his death, rebirth, and marriage. In the 21st century, he returned to the big screen and saw his origin changed and retold on several occasions. Through the decades, he has gone by many names. The Man of Tomorrow, the last son of Krypton, the Man of Steel. His strength is incredible. His name is legendary. His battle is never ending. Faster than a speedy bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. My name is Michael Bailey, and I host an internet radio show called Views from the Long Box. Superman is my favorite character of all time, and in 2013, he is turning 75. Because of this, a large portion of the episodes this year will be about the Man of Steel, in a series I'm calling Superman, Superman at 75, the celebration, celebration of a legend. I'm going to mark Superman's birthday in fine style by examining all aspects of the character's history, from the comics, to the movies, to the television series, and beyond, both alone and with the best and brightest of the podcasting world. It may not be every episode, but the bulk of views in 2013 will be all about the Man of Steel. He is the first and greatest superhero of them all, and he deserves no less. Superman at 75. The Celebration of a Legend. A series within a series, and the biggest birthday card a fan can give his favorite hero, only at Views from the Long Box. Views from the Long Box is a Fortress of Baileytude production. New episodes drop every other Tuesday over at www.viewsfromthelongbox.com, and for this series, over at www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com. And we are back. So let's go ahead and skip emails again. Sorry, everyone. And head on into Green Lantern number 67. Green Lantern 67 was covered dated October 1995, released on August 15th of 1995, with a cover price of $1.75 US, $2.50 Canada, and a pound 25 UK. The title was, again, Fast Friends, question mark, part two. Writer Ron Mars, penciler Paul Pelletier, inker Roman Tangall. Colorist this time was Patricia Mulvahill, letter Albert Guzman, assistant editor Eddie Bracanza, and editor Kevin Dooley. Only in comic books can an ego-fueled argument between superheroes occur during the middle of a battle against a wannabe world conqueror. 
This, of course, is what's going on between Green Lantern Kyle Rayner and the fastest man alive, The Flash, a.k.a. Wally Rest, as a bemused Kip Winger, no, wait, that's actually Sonar, looks on. Tired of the juvenile bickering, Sonar blasts the duo with his sonic powers, knocking the duo into the air. Kyle rings up an airbag to catch the falling Wally, but instead of a simple thank you, he gets more deserved derision for being so cocky, as the Flash runs off to do a real hero's job. Meanwhile, Gunner Nelson, no, wait, it's still Sonar, is knocking around the NYC Special Crimes Unit, saying that he will make Manhattan his kingdom. But before he can cause any loss of life, the Flash speeds in, getting the members of the SGI out of the path of the madman and telling them to protect the bystanders. Wally rushes at the costume Vince Neal, no, wait, I mean, it's Sonar, but gets a sonic blast to the face, knocking out his equilibrium and causing him to crash into a signpost. Thinking he's got the solution to the problem, Cal encases the villain in a soundproof crystal ball construct, allowing him to gloat over his ability to take down Don Dockett. Nope, wait, that's Sonar. But Wally still thinks that Kyle isn't taking this seriously, saying that having the ring doesn't make you a hero. Kyle tries to come back with the fact that he isn't a novice, but is proven wrong as James Hatfield, nope, wait, that's Sonar, breaks free of the construct and blasts a nearby building, sending shards of glass plumbing toward our heroes. Kyle rings up Gambra, friend to all children, especially that little butterball itchy, to shield Wally and himself and finally gets a thank you from the Flash. But the camaraderie is cut short as Wally rushes off again to face with Brett Michaels. Nope, I mean, that's Sonar. Miffed, Kyle rushes in after him only to find Cece DeVille. No, wait, that's Sonar. Sitting on his self-made throne, ready to hand down his first decree as ruler. The death of the Flash and Green Lantern. Elsewhere, the likeless man that Kyle gave a bit of his power to in the last issue stares up at the Statue of Liberty. Before Green Lantern graced him with the ability to create construct legs with his will, the man never would have thought of trying to make it to the top of the NYC icon. But with his new lease on life, the man starts up the 354 steps to the top of Lady Liberty. However, before he can reach the top, he slices his hand on a jagged piece of metal railing, causing him to lose concentration and his legs in the process. A couple that was behind him ask if he's okay and what happened to his legs. Man replies that he's fine, and that he will find a way to make sure he never loses his legs again. Back at the Feitenstein, Kyle rings up a gargoyle construct to attack Robert Plant. No, wait, I'm sorry, that's Sonar. Uh, not Robert Plant. I'll get this right eventually. Anywho, Wally takes a shot at Ricky Rocket. Wait, no, still Sonar, by dragging a city bus in his wake and slamming it into the Sonic Sociopath. Kyle follows up with a construct land shark, but neither of their attempts stops the rampaging renegade. Frustrated, Kyle tells the smug Wally to do something constructive, like break the sound barrier. Hmm. A knowing glance later, and the two know what they need to do. The heroes dash off towards the spandex-wearing Axel Rose. Nope, sorry, wait, that's Sonar. With Kyle creating a distraction, Wally grabbing the goon. The duo accelerates past the sound barrier, creating a sonic boom and sapping David Coverdale, oh, no, wait, but still sonar, of all of his powers. Crisis averted, Kyle locks the baddie down for transport to the slab and floats about his idea to capture him. Wally proclaims that Kyle is just as annoying as Impulse. Kyle complains that no one can be that annoying. 
In the end, Molly says that there used to be a tradition of the Flash and Green Lantern working together. And Kyle admits that they made a pretty decent team. Molly agrees and mentions that they should get together sometime, just to hang out and stuff. Then the two go their separate ways, both saying to themselves, He couldn't have done it without me. The end. So, what do you think about this rockin' episode, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Walker? Uh, it's awesome. <laughs> I, I really, that's it. It, it sounds like I've got sarcasm there, but no, it's uh, so much fun. Yes, it is. Uh, I, I fully <laughs> agree from the artwork to the dialogue to the character interaction, even even Sonar and his goofy hair metal, long hair, weird white ripped up trench coat thing. This is just a fun, beautiful issue. I just enjoy the heck out of it. Yeah, I, th- I think I, I mentioned in the last issue that bit about the bus. Really should have kept it for this. But I I love the bus scene. Oh, yeah. Well, a lot of people think of uh, The Flash as just a character who can run fast. And they don't get you know all the other things that he can do. And this is just one of the sort of neat... I don't want to really want to use the words tricks, but one of the really neat powers that he has to do to take care of villains. So uh, mm-hmm. it's just really cool. Uh, this is a great issue. Go ahead and uh, hit us off with some notes, sir. Okay. Um, when I saw the cover, I realized something. Sonar looks like he's some crazy-ass amalgamation of Marvel Girl, Miss Marvel, and Havoc. Yeah, because he's got the sort of circular uh, things coming off his hands, which are very Havoc-like energy things. Yeah. But yeah, the hair is very, very, very Miss Marvel. And uh, and I hate to say this again, and I think we mentioned this last episode, uh, that Pelletier does tend to draw uh, yeah. the characters with large crotchular regions, and this is just another example of that. Thankfully, mm. he doesn't have the... Uh, the Wally belt buckle that uh, points down at it, but yeah. yeah, it's still there and it's still hurting me. And it's kind of right in the middle of the page, you know, where your focus is drawn to. <laughs> yes, it is. It, uh, this, if you had it really, you could measure it. I'm pretty sure that's the halfway point. <laughs> uh, here's a little something for the ladies. <laughs> uh, well, if you're going to be drawing all the girls with large, assets yeah. mm-hmm. it, it should be balanced yeah well then i i guess you know this could uh this could have uh drawn women in i i think i kind of have a feeling that kyle was a character that the women could relate to um because he was an attractive uh male character and uh he was young so you know uh, uh some of the women that i've talked to uh tend to like kyle as a character in it Large crotchular regions might be a reason behind that. So yeah. never know. But yeah. Um, also, I find it interesting that you've got kind of equality going on with the, well, I guess with the amount of space that Wally and Kyle take up, it's you get to see roughly about the same amount of them. So it's balanced in that, showing an equality between the characters mm-hmm. in a way. I don't know if that's intentional or not. I assume it is. But I, I like the way they're just lying there amongst the debris of whatever sonar is destroyed i'm guessing it's some kind of building mm-hmm. looks like the remains of that uh telegraph pole and yeah it looks like it looks car. like Wally's kind of lying out a car yeah and just some 
various rubble. And none of this happens in the issue. Oh, of course not. <laughs> but that, that's completely odd that a cover depicts something that doesn't happen in the issue. That, that has never happened before. Never see that happen in anything. <laughs> and, and they don't ever try to trick you with the cover saying, no, this really happens. And then they have a complete kind of excuse for, oh, no, it was actually a completely different universe. It was happening and you were seeing it through a mirror mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, I don't know. No, that that that's not a a a trope of any kind. Not in the least. (laughs) But yeah, the the issue itself, uh, just the the whole face off thing, while Sonar's looking at them, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. And I love the look on Sonar's face. This is good work by Paul Pelletier, where he's it looks like he's got the sort of one eyebrow raised thing, and the one eye's a little bigger, and he's got that really just these guys, he's got this grin on his face that's just like, these guys don't realize that I'm going to mop the floor with them and they're sitting <laughs> bickering at each other. And oh, the the bubbles, the construct energy around the ring, mm-hmm. it's... That, uh, may, that may be one of the earliest, uh, well, maybe not the earliest, but that's a nice uh, thing that we see a lot in uh, in modern versions, the Greenlander stuff. Yeah. We see a lot of energy coming off the ring and uh, I like the that we I think that since we're getting a close up of it here, we get the sort of energy bubbles coming off of it here. Yeah. And again, uh, I, I think we mentioned this last issue that uh, the coloring here is just really nice. Well, this, it, there's almost a metallic sheen to uh, mm-hmm. Kyle's uh, uh, mask here. And it, it's a tribute to the coloring, the way that sort of blends in there. Just really. And the same thing with the. Uh, uh, Wally's sort of shiny uh, outfit as well. Just mm-hmm. the coloring never really was something that I just focused in on, except for now. It just looks amazing. I miss that mask though. Mm-hmm. The crab mask, I think it's referred to as. Yes. Well, here I think they've got it a little better because on, in, in previous episodes, there was really no ridge mm. uh, above the nose piece. So it looked like it was just completely flat. So it didn't look like wally had a nose or if he did have a it even came down further and it looks like it completely obscured his nose so i was wondering like how he could breathe out of the mask <laughs> what else oh um we get what i think is the actual real reason for wally's antagonistic approach to kyle here um i think it's basically from at least from what i understand kind of misplaced anger because of whatever he's saying kyle did to hal is, is that in the previous issues um, Did something happen there, or is it talking about Zero Hour? I think they may be talking about Zero Hour. I think Wally may or may have been uh, having to do with the aftermath of Zero Hour in the Zero book with uh, Kyle and Hal, where Kyle actually had to destroy Oa and uh, supposedly destroy Hal. Uh, it, it could he also was Parallax, you know? Yeah, he was Parallax. You know, if he yeah. didn't mention that, yeah, just ask him, he'll tell you. But... Uh, it could also be uh, related to uh, a couple of issues ago where, for some reason, Parallax and Kyle had another fight, and uh, Wally was called in by uh, Ganthet to come in and sort of uh, try and take down Hal. It could be the fact that Kyle, on supposedly multiple occasions, has taken care of Hal, and so there could be misplaced anger since uh, Wally sort of looked up to Hal because uh, Hal and Barry were you know, such good friends during the uh, olden days. Yeah, he just doesn't want to admit that Hal's the one he's angry at. It, and yeah, for, never, for what he's done. Yeah, I never really thought that it might be misplaced anger that Kyle's, you know, trying to step into the uh, 
the beloved iconic uh, the, the, to to be the beloved icon that you know the person he has such a connection to is you know he's uh trying to be green lantern and since he's not Hal, maybe uh wally's you know sort of channeling some of the heat anger maybe well there may be some of that at least on the next page for some reason i ended up thinking of the princess bride with what um sonar says here i don't know why uh, i just expect him to continue on with telling us he's got a wife to murder and gilder to blame for it <laughs> it's it's a bit of a stretch but i i don't know where it came from but just for some reason that reminded me of it well if we're sarandon were uh we're in the sonar costume it, it'd be awesome i would think uh, it would work quite well um i think he was jack skellington as well wasn't he so uh, yeah i think so if i'm if i'm remembering yeah so if he can play a guy with no hair, he can play a guy with all of the hair. <laughs> um, yeah. Also, that's that's very bad kind of placement of his hands there. It kind of looks like he's relieving himself in order to blast the grind. Um, well, if the if the energy were yellow, I think it'd be a, a bit more uh, uh, suggestive. But since it's blue, well, maybe he just had a far too much ecto cooler maybe that could be well he obviously doesn't know how to control it properly because it's going everywhere <laughs> oh it's already turned that way has it okay sorry <laughs> yeah just bring it down <laughs> if, if if we take it down to lowest point it can only get higher that's true well speaking of lowest point on uh page three uh we've got a a nice butt shot of uh wally here so again <laughs> a bit of something for the ladies there you go yeah. I, I do like that we're getting the little yellow boxes here next to that, uh, basically catching us up on the first part. Mm-hmm. So you don't really have to have read it. And I don't think we really had that with the Guy Gardner issue, unfortunately, last time. But with this one, you know, we could just read on the, with this issue and not have to read the first one at all. Mm-hmm. And we'd still get what was going on. Yeah, that is that is really nice, uh, especially here that, you know, if you didn't, if you just picked this up because you saw, well, a very accentuated guy on the uh, cover and you're wondering why this person with a large package was uh, terrorizing Green Lantern and Flash, you didn't have to pick up the previous issue. So it's, it is nice every once in a while when they have the caption boxes that give you sort of a, a quick plot synopsis of what happened uh, leading up to this. So, yeah, it works. But yeah, it does do one of the things I like from the Flash title. Um just where basically they're putting the inner monologue of the main character into the yellow boxes, like they're telling you the story. Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorite things about the Flash, just the way that's done. Maybe it's why I like this one as well, because I don't think it's done very much in other ones. But uh, maybe I've just not seen it, or it's been too long since I read them. You know, okay. it's shiny and red. Sorry, it's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did, it, it, does he polish it? No. Um, sorry, they they really focused far too much on that. I didn't notice it until you pointed it out. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, it was just it was just one of those that I guess it's because <laughs> every once uh, every once in a while I go over to uh, this website of uh, Sally Pascal called Green Lantern Butts Forever, and she uh, likes yes. to uh, promote uh, the uh, backsides of Green Lanterns, and unfortunately, she was on for the. Uh, 50? Yeah, she, she was on for the 50, 54 for 54. the, for the uh, one where uh, we find Alex in the uh, fridge. So I remember that. I was listening, really. 
we we do kind of get trope aversion here where the heroes are fighting but they're not actually fighting you get what i mean yeah i mean uh, they're the, they're arguing, but it's not uh, yeah. it's not the in the Marvel style where the heroes have to beat the crap out of each other for you know half the book until they realize oh the real enemy is this other guy over here. Now they're busy fighting the guy and doing their own thing whilst fighting with each other. So mm-hmm. they're they're multitasking. <laughs> See, that's why DC is so much better than Marvel. Ooh, suck at Marvel zombies. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We we have a revisitation of the Wall of Sound here as well. I, I will keep mentioning it because basically um, a lot of the things from that episode are kind of used with this. So I'm guessing there's only like a few ways that signed powers can be used. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, the solution to the problem is kind of how Superman solved the problem in the Wall of Sound episode. Sorry. Okay. I know it, I know it's kind of spoiling it for you. Well, you know, when I go watch that, eventually, you know, I'll, I'll probably have forgotten it by the time. So, and it, and no. he messes up the equilibrium as well, which I think happens in a page or two. Mm-hmm. So, that there there really aren't that many ways to use sound powers. But how how is he using all of these things as like telekinesis? I don't uh, know. I don't know how he's lifting people with sound. Uh, if you're talking about on page five where he's got the yeah. Uh, where he's got the NY uh, SCU person, which yeah, is just hovering. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's nice to see though that the uh, various cities, the DC universe, have uh, you know SCU, you know, have SCU units. So yeah, you know, they're they're ready to deal with superpowered things. So, and uh, who 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 else was based in New York at this time? Um, maybe the Justice League. Because I know the Titans I, used to be the there. Titans, the Titans were in New York at the time as well. Uh, I'm trying to think if... I know Guy's uh, got his Warriors bar in New York. I'm trying to think if there's any... Hello. What about the Justice League? You are a discredit to all podcasters. Other... Because I'm, I'm trying to think... you Because know, Metropolis God... basically had Superman. Mm-hmm. So, we had and, Superman. And that was enough for them to have their own one. So... So yeah, well, the, uh, Green Lantern in New York City—it it grounds it because Green Lantern, uh, the original Green—well, not the original Green Lantern, but uh, Hal Jordan was in Coast City, which was kind of an analog for Los Angeles or San Francisco. Yeah. And uh, uh, when Kyle Rayner came in, he was actually living in—I want to say Los Angeles. Yeah, I think you. So, he was living outside of Coast City, which is kind of obvious from the fact he survives. Mm-hmm. And I think. He, he he is on the on a hill when the something's crashing down. Mm-hmm. Isn't that his first appearance? Yep. And, I, and I can't that. remember what's crashing, unfortunately. But but yeah, that's a while ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, I do like on this panel that uh, they kind of reference on page five, the panel six or panel five, I guess, that he kind of uh, sonar here kind of references that his father was someone that they told wouldn't be a. Uh, or was absolutely nuts. So you're kind of getting the idea that this sonar might be the son of the actual sonar from the uh, earlier Green Lantern iteration, from the Hal Jordan Green Lantern. But uh, yeah, obviously, I had no he's, clue. Yeah, obviously he's uh, taken more to the uh, sort of grunge look and the uh, long hair and everything. So uh, mm. I, I think it's a step up from the uh, maestro uh, 
band leader costume. Uh, maybe. <laughs> well, whatever works for him. It, it's of the time. Yes. I bet all the kids thought he was cool. Mm-hmm. And I bet if they all put their head in a fire, he would as well. <laughs> His hair would go up like like nothing else because probably something Aquanet in that. Uh, 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 moving on to page six, this is one of the things that I really miss uh, in the flat or in in a lot of the stuff that I've seen in the Flash is the multiple images uh, in that second panel yeah. there. I love, you know, it, it harkens back to Carmen Infantino, who we just lost, uh, you know, about a month or so ago. Oh, yeah. Uh, that he would draw, the when he was drawing the Barry Allen Flash, he would draw him doing various different things along in the speed lines. And I like this panel here where he's, you know, rescuing the guy and then setting him down and then turning off to uh, go engage Sonar again. That's really cool. It is one of my favorite effects. And I like the, the, um, the coloring again. Um, you always have the lighter one on the, obviously the super fast one. And when he sets the guy down, he's still lighter colored. If you know what I mean? You don't usually see that because usually it's just the flash in the kind of pinkness, you know, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm liking how he gets full colored again when he's set down and flash speeds off again. Yeah. It's, it's a nice touch. I mm-hmm. don't think I've seen that done before. Uh, at least I don't remember seeing it done before. It's very cool. Uh, well, no, again, a, a tribute to the uh, the coloring of these issues. Just really nice. Yeah, and I'm guessing that the um, Flash talking about his relationship here is something to do with what's going on in his comic at the time, because uh, I think Magenta shows up this month. Okay, uh, that's like the first girlfriend he had in this in his own series um, as Flash, anyway. Um, um, have you encountered her much? No, unfortunately, I'm, she's kind of a mystery to me. What's what's her uh, deal? Well, she was in the Teen Titans, as far as I understand, um, and she had kind of magnetic powers, hmm. which seemed to have driven her crazy a little bit. And she left Wally after like five issues or so, maybe less, and went away, went crazier, and started using her powers more. And every once in a while, he asked the camera down. And I think she just showed up in time to attack this month. So X is showing up, probably not a good thing. And this is also in and around the time he's just back from being in the Speed Force. So basically he's given up heaven to be with Linda. So maybe that's a bit strainful on the relationship. So it's nice. It's nice that they're kind of at least referencing something that might be going on. Could just be generic, though. No, I, I, w- I wouldn't put it past him because I think uh, in this book, uh, Mars tries to mm-hmm. to to do a lot of uh, – if he's going to bring in someone from a different book, he tries to at least get what's going on in that book and put it in there. So, yeah, I, I would probably ascribe it to being actually something that's relevant to the Wally West book at the time. That's cool. Uh, it, it's nice when they keep track of things as opposed to just taking a character and going – Yep, they're doing this. Don't care what's happening in their own title. They're in this one, mm-hmm. and that's it. Yeah, because because who needs continuity? Yeah, continuity is so much fun. <laughs> I mean, sometimes all it takes is a phone call. Yeah, well, especially in the olden days. God forbid they do that. Mm. It's it's worse when it's the same editor doing stuff. Oh yeah, because yeah, uh, I've I've. 
read a couple of issues of my stuff where they've they've been doing crossovers where it finishes off in one issue this way and then in the next issue of a different title it's going somewhere completely different it's uh what was it i'm trying to remember i think it was the manhunter crossover with flash um you get to see it from a different perspective it's brilliant i really like it but sometimes it just doesn't quite match up mm-hmm. you know no, i remember you talking about that yeah yeah it wouldn't be that hard if they had the same editor and they do so it's you know maybe have a bit of communication between them to say hey i'm doing this for this panel is that matching up but maybe it was time constraints maybe it was something else i don't know it would just be nice if they you know if they if they matched yeah well uh, i i guess that's just I don't know whether it's laziness on the part of the the writers or the part of the editors, but yeah, it does. It, it is disappointing when when the shared universe has so many divergent things going on with one character, especially yeah. when it's in multiple titles. So it's 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 always nice when you can see uh, a uniformity in the books. Well, we get more overconfidence in the next page. Mm-hmm. Kyle thinks he's got him captured. I thought it was a snow globe, but. It is more of a crystal ball. There's no snowflakes falling down. Yeah. It, Although we haven't turned it upside down. So <laughs> it, I, it, I'm pretty sure if you shake it up a bit, it, it'll just start snowing. Oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> but yeah, you do get, and that's one of been, that's been one of the things with Kyle over the past couple of issues, his reliance on the ring and his overconfidence. And I think we're trying to get uh, through Morris's writing, uh, Kyle to get more uh, grounded not to harp on the Superman title, but uh, <laughs> um, but for him to become uh, more of a or less of a cocky character, because yeah, he is kind of egotistical here, and he's kind of just relying on the ring and saying, "Oh, look how clever I am," and it's it's backfiring on his on him. So mm-hmm. it's nice to see that he's trying to, or the, in the writing, they're trying to get him to be a, a little less, you know, self assured to to think a little when he does these things. But I, I mean, the idea of isolating from, from the sound to try and stop him was a good idea nonetheless. I mean, they kind of set that up at the end of the last issue where he's saying, I get my power from sound, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. You know, it's trying to get you to think, oh, that's how we stop him. You know, and while it nearly works, it just doesn't quite. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Wally does have kind of a point that... He really shouldn't be treating it as a game, but I like that he has fun with it. He shouldn't. He shouldn't try not to. You know. When I think, uh, I think the two play off each other. Where, mm-hmm. where, where Kyle is trying to get Wally to be less serious, and uh, Wally's trying to get Kyle to be more serious, and eventually they're sort of meet in the middle, where they'll be able to get the job done, but still have some fun with it. Yeah, because. Let's face it, some of the characters they've gone up against are kind of laughable. Well, it is Sonar. So uh, he he was a guy who used to, you know, use a vibrating tuning fork gun and, you know, (laughs) dressed around in a drum majorette outfit. So, uh, yeah, take that Uh, for what you will. And, oh, yes, they've started finishing off each other's sentences. (laughs) Oh, it is. It is a bromance. Ah, uh, but oh, the coloring's slightly off. 
for for the shards, they are still kind of green tinged, but they do look more like glass there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it it's one flaw, and yeah, I, it I may don't... not really be one. It may just be the the effect they're going for. Yeah, I it, yeah, it could be the fact that you know sonar is using is sort of blue havoc energy to to mm-hmm. rupture it, and that's kind of uh, overshadowing the sort of green hint hue of the because if you look at the bottom the base of the uh snow yeah. globe is still green so that's cool but yeah did not realize that was gamera yeah completely I, forgot that gamera was rocket part no i i i love this and again it's a tribute to kyle's uh sort of love of anime and obviously very Jap- japanese centric daikaiju stuff but yeah i saw this and it was like it's a giant turtle it's a giant turtle with rockets shooting at it and i was like Oh, it's Gamera. That is so cool. It does make sense, though, because a regular turtle wouldn't be able to fly. <laughs> well, Gamera is really neat. He is made of turtle. all love you, Gamera. I'm going to have to rewatch that again. I love Mr. Science Theater. Any, uh, all the Gamera movies. Uh, and and the, the, the Godzilla movies. The ST3K movie. Greatest well, yeah, it's, it's where I know Gamera from. Yeah, uh, I love MST3K. You know, and uh, again, harkening back to a previous episode, Luke Giaconetti and I kind of talked off the air about, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, giant, giant Japanese monsters, and you know, he has a love of MST3K as well. So just to see Gamera show up in the book was just, it was fun for me. Uh, he is friend to children. Yeah, especially that little tubby bastard Itchy. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Derailed. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's good derailing. Everyone should know about MST3K. Yes. I I know barely no one over here who who knows about it. Um, I I've met one person who at a party uh, was just randomly talking and mentioned about the what do you call it the ah uh, um the things they're doing now that I've forgotten the name of riff tracks. Yeah, and hi, they're quite fun. And I mentioned that it was the guys from Mystery Science Theater, and said, "Oh, they were they kind of got excited about it." So mm-hmm. <laughs> the fact that they were actually doing kind of more stuff. Yeah, Rift Tracks is hilarious, uh, especially when they uh, Rift Tracks was the only reason I was able to watch the first Twilight movie because uh, you know it was, well first of all it was. Uh, it was free. Well, it wasn't free. It was on cable. So I downloaded the riff tracks and synced it up to watch it on cable. And it made watching the first Twilight movie bearable. So thank wow. you, riff tracks. And in that fact, thank you, Mr. Science Theater. I'm pretty sure that's the only way I will ever watch that film. <laughs> I, I, I haven't um, for the reason that I like people who can act. Mm-hmm. It's not. A well, good occasionally I like I like I like watching action films with planks of wood that's fine but um i i don't think i could stand twilight well i i survived vampire suck it was quite funny uh i don't know uh, i'm not going to say it was horrible i've seen far worse movies but it just wasn't a movie for me and i don't think i would have been able to get through the twilight movie without the uh, riff tracks going along with it but other people tend to love it and those people tend to be middle-aged women who 
have a disturbing life for guys who take their shirts off. Eh, I don't know. Let's My get favorite back riff track to this. is still Jurassic Park. If you haven't heard it, what's oh the one, uh, yes, the one with Weird Al. It's awesome. Oh yes, I love that one. That was really good. Now, now we can get back on track. Okay. Uh, why is Sonar sitting on a throne made of stuff he's wrecked? I don't. What? I do not know. I mean, also what? He, he he seems to be sitting on the front of a car, right? Mm-hmm. Do you yeah. know what cars have inside them? Uh, engines. Seats. <laughs> Seats with cushions. Right. That cannot be comfortable. Yeah, he's got to be sitting on a. From where it is, it looks like he's sitting in the middle of where the engine would be. So yeah. yeah. He's getting oil over his. Uh, then maybe that's why his uh, why his uh, little uh, lab coat is so torn up. It got uh, you know, uh, chopped up and burnt by you know him sitting on too many engines. Uh, you never know. Maybe he got oil on bits of it and couldn't get the stains out and just went, "I'll oh, stuff it and just cut holes in it." That makes sense. You know, it's dry clean only. <laughs> I could buy that. Uh-huh. And yeah, I think. Next up, we have what I assume is going to be the birth of a supervillain. Yeah, that's pretty much what I uh, what I got as well. You know, you've got the guy that uh, Kyle helped out in the last issue that he gave the ring construct legs to, and uh, he's really all excited that he gets to climb up to the uh, top of the Statue of Liberty, which is you know something you can do. Well, it, when I went to New York, uh, I think they had the this was well before uh, 9/11. I think they were still closed the uh, torch down because they were doing uh, repairs on it. But yeah, you could climb up and uh, go to the top. And knowing that there's uh, 354 steps, that uh, kind of made me not want to go to the top of it. So. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of miss the speakers and the um, pink ectoplasm, though. <laughs> I, 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 if, if I ever go there, I want to see that. I also wanted to walk across the bay, but... I don't think that's going to happen. Well, not so long as Bill Murray is still out on Ghostbusters 3. So, uh, yeah, that probably won't happen. But, yeah, this is definitely a birth of a supervillain thing, especially on page 12 at the bottom. Yeah. I mean, he's he's a nice, happy, normal guy for the entire thing until that panel. Yeah. But- and I... I have to blame the the New York City uh, Parks Department for just failing <laughs> on the maintenance of keeping their railings free from uh, large pieces of gashing metal on them. Uh, I, I'm going to blame Giuliani for this guy becoming <laughs> a villain because why not? It's fun to blame Giuliani. Uh, plus, he's probably go, got to go get a couple of shots die. That's true. Not going to be painful, and well, technically, he could sue them. But then again, he's got to try to explain, okay, why were you walking? How, how were you walking? What? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it'll just cause confusion. Exactly. Although, to be honest, he was in the middle of New York, in the middle of a superhero battle, and people saw him get legs from Green Lantern. So. Yeah, I guess he could. I guess he could, you know, probably fault Green Lantern for that to some extent. But, I mean, that, that he could sue them for. Uh, mm-hmm. That's quite a bad gash, and... He may have fallen and hit his head. He is on steps. True. I think if it wasn't for the guy in the red jacket, he's, you know, going the whole way, all the way to the bottom of the 354 steps, mm-hmm. the, the the less fun way. It, he's small enough to fall through the middle section from the looks of it as well, am I? So He might fall through the railings. Oh, good Lord. There'd be a railing kill. Wow. Coming back to uh, Mystery Science Theater and Space Mutiny. <laughs> 
<laughs> I still have to wonder about the Death Star. Why did it have those walkways? Did they not have someone for health and safety? Mm, obviously um, not. Yeah, let's have let's have a you know uh, like a a, a a four foot wide walkway over a giant drop into a, a veritable bottomless pit. Good idea. Way to go, planning. Especially if you know we're gonna get. You know, moving at uh, light speed really quick and accelerating to that. So, yeah. Yeah, brilliant idea. And I still have to wonder why the Emperor built his throne room in with a, a thing that goes right through the reactor core. Why, why there? It's not It's not good planning. You know, I, I guess, you know, when you're, when, you're the, uh, when you're the Empire, you have to contract stuff out and it goes to the lowest bidder. So there was probably just bad design plans there that the emperor just said oh sure it'll all work out in the end i guess that one was being built so maybe there was other things going in maybe i haven't put the final walls in that's true it it was uh, it, even though it was a fully operational battle station it was not completely finished hmm. oh well maybe maybe the original plans were changed a bit too much to try to get rid of the two meter wide battle uh thing although i think it probably would have been four meters wide if they've increased the size of it could have been which you could bullseye a couple of one brats in you know <laughs> mm. oh dear lord but yeah uh the gargoyle construct is fairly cool um do you remember the cartoon gargoyles yeah i remembered i i remember it was it. a disney I thing that, i think yeah it was a disney one it came out right after i know i know was when they had the disney afternoon and it came out a little bit after they had done chip and dale and they had done ducktales and darkwing duck and i think it came after that and i don't know whether it was exclusive to disney channel or whether it had syndication uh this would probably be one of the things that uh charlie niemeyer might cover someday on his uh on his geek cast so but I never really got into the gargoyles. I heard it was really good. It came out, it was out around the same time as uh, Batman, the animated series. And I was just yeah. more into that. I think it's in and around this time. I think it's still going at this point, but I don't know. Cause I think it got a couple of seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember what Gina, um, I remember nothing of the story except that they were gargoyles mm-hmm. and they came to life and there was some sort of magic or something involved, but I remember enjoying it at least because I kept watching it. Mm. I, I think so, I remember like uh, I want to say Jonathan Frakes and half the Marina. cast of Star Trek. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I know Michael Dorn was in it, and I think Marina Sirtis was also played uh, either a, either a, a gargoyle or a investigator who was you know working with them for something. But yeah, it was a good yeah. show. I have to rewatch it at some point. Oh yeah. Uh, if I can find it anywhere, you know, because they, they don't release things. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I've heard that, especially over in the UK, that that uh, they obviously don't want your money. So they are, they're not going to release stuff on DVD over there. Although they're releasing DuckTales again, the game. They've done an HD version. I love that. <laughs> Have you ever played it? I just vaguely remember playing DuckTales. Uh, I think I played more the Aladdin game. That was one of the Disney games that I played, but I, I I know everyone's all excited about the DuckTales game, and I've seen uh, I've seen like sort of walkthroughs of it, or, or at least yeah. uh, promos of the new one, and it looks good. 
So yeah, they they've definitely upped the graphics a little bit. Oh yeah. So, uh, it, it he's also wearing blue now instead of the kind of orangey color he had before. So mm. that's nice. Hopefully they'll do the second one as well. But yeah, um, have you a look around where they're fighting here? Um, just over on page fourteen. Mm-hmm. Things have been destroyed. There's a bus about to hit him, and what looks absolutely and utterly untouched. Oh, uh, the uh, the porn shop. Yeah, strange that. Everything gets destroyed, except they try to keep the trouble away from the porn shop. Well, or you know, X-rated movie theater or whatever it is. See, I'm surprised that this even happens because I was talking with Thomas DJ, and around this time was uh, the sort of reign of uh, Rudolph Giuliani, and he was the uh, person who liked to clean up New York City. So maybe this is out in one of the boroughs where uh, porn shops were still uh, okay to have, because basically in downtown New York or in Central Park, uh, all that stuff was a no-go anymore. So, but yeah, it's nice. It's Times Square less fun. <laughs> Yeah, they're they're trying to make sure that uh, people can still get their porn because this was this was a time prior to the internet where you had to actually go into uh, CD uh, businesses if you wanted to get your uh, adult material. So there you go. Yes, and had to now you can order them online from various websites and they won't show up on your bill. They <laughs> they make sure to tell you that um, and. Don't forget, you can also get all those pills that you keep getting the emails for, whether you want the adverts or not. The number of comments that I've had to delete from the comments section of my website that are related to those types of pills is is amazing. Sometimes you just want to shut it all down, just just for ease of use. Mm-hmm. I've, I've had a couple myself. I don't know why. and They, they always target just this one episode and it's not even one that's current it's uh, it's like episode number eight and i keep <laughs> getting you know here try these pills you know generic viagra i'm like no <laughs> no i don't need okay uh, uh but next page why? Uh, page yep. 15 land shark it's uh, jaws yeah uh, there is nothing scarier than Jaws, in my opinion. That is, and even even Sonar I love the boxes. is freaked out by it. The, the boxes around it, da dum, <laughs> da dum. Well, and again, this is uh, this is Kyle sort of uh, this is Kyle sort of inner inner monologue, and he's doing the uh, Jaws theme, so that's awesome. Ah, uh, I I just love that moment, mm-hmm. and. It's referencing Aquaman number 10. See, uh, uh, this this might be one of the, the Peter David Aquaman. See, I'm not certain about this. I I wonder, I don't, I'm pretty certain Rob Rob Kelly from Fire and Water doesn't listen to this podcast. But if he, if Shag, he listened to this and let him know, uh, fill me on one, what happened with Aquaman number 10. Because, you know, I don't have that issue. Yeah, it seems to be some kind of encounter. Uh, was this the beardy hookhand Aquaman mm-hmm, at this think, time, wasn't it? I think this is the time where he was in his long hair and he had the hook harpoon hand and uh, had the uh, you know very uh, bare shirted, muscular, beefy, almost uh, Conan esque Aquaman. Yeah. Sword and sorcery again. Mm-hmm. It's very popular, it seems. Oh, I would think so. 
But yeah, uh, on the next page, I love the expressions whenever they realize, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that, an idea. That 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 third little inset panel where they're still bickering at each other, and Kyle tells him, "Why don't you just go break the sound barrier or something?" And then it, for whatever comic book physics realization comes to them, it's like break the sound barrier. That might just work. And it's a great panel where they're they go from you know arguing to uh, that sort of uh, look of like, huh, this might work. So uh, uh, yeah, again, great artwork by Pelletier. I'm uh, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, I want that right panel um, of them heading off. I want that as a poster. Oh yeah, that would look really good. That's really dynamic because Wally and Kyle are. I'm going to assume we're about the same age and initially we're seeing them not get along, but here we get that sort of, that sort of moment where they both click and, uh, they're both determined and ready to go. And it's a really nice look at both the energy coming off of Kyle and the, uh, sort of electricity coming off Wally there. Yeah. So good. Mm-hmm. And you've got the, okay, you be the distraction and I'll just run a bite a bit kind of thing going on. Mm-hmm. It's, it's fun. Well, and I, I like on that next page, on page 17, uh, Kyle's monologue, that I, I can I can do this speed in space. I do this fast. But traveling around New York City, this is tough. because And, and that yeah. makes sense, because in the vastness of space, you don't have the possibility of running smack dab into the side of a building. So Kyle's got, Kyle's got to do a lot of maneuvering around to keep up with Wally, who's used to running at this type of speed. I mean, but, uh, that's part of Wally's abilities. You know, his reflexes were obviously upped as well. And yeah. Kyle really doesn't know what the capabilities of the ring are. Mm-hmm. He's just, he's kind of operating on what he's seen the other one do at this point, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Or um, I think he he hasn't kind of gunted it at this point again, hasn't he? Yes. Yes. So I, I don't know if he got any instruction from him. I don't Not think it really. was very helpful. Not really instruction. In fact, when he encountered Ganthet, Ganthet was like, uh, you're not good enough. Give the ring back. But yeah. uh, eventually that uh, that played out a different way. But, yeah, the fact that, you know, Kyle's realizing he has to keep up with uh, Wally, but he's got to try and uh, it's really taking a lot more concentration for uh, Kyle to do this. I mean, for Wally, this is just Tuesday, basically. Yeah. To quote Bison. Mm-hmm. And... I love the boom. Oh yeah, that that uh, sort of two-page, you know, half-panel uh, splash is just awesome. And again, the silhouettes uh, with uh, yeah. with them being in black except for uh, Kyle's symbol and his uh, antenna and the the lightning around his gloves and his boots. And then uh, I'm sorry, Wally with the, yeah. the, the and then Kyle with the green on his gauntlets and his mask and his boots. And everything else black. It's just a really, really awesome dynamic look. That's a and Sonar gets dynamic. nothing because he's not a hero. Well, Sonar, yeah. Well, he, he doesn't really deserve have... the cool stuff. Well, he doesn't have any really energetic stuff coming off him. I mean, there's well, the... the white coat. Yeah, that's, that's about true. It. But that's all in silhouette, so you can't tell us why now. But yeah. again, comic book physics, I don't know if bringing a person who uses sound-based powers past the sound barrier eliminates their sound based powers but we'll just go with it sure why not well they wouldn't be able to use them because they'd be firing the sound at assumingly the speed of sound which wouldn't really be 
going very far because they're moving. Maybe I'll I'll, I'll give you that. That's a good no prize answer. I will give you that, you know, because if they're wanting to fire the sound and they're going faster than the sound. Okay. Yeah, I'll buy that. They wouldn't necessarily be able to aim it properly at that speed. And he's obviously distracted. True. Well, because Kyle punches him in the face with a (laughs) giant ring powered gauntlet. So that's awesome. It's a good distraction. (laughs) Definitely. Pretty sure it'll work think that's me for most of it um oh i like that they are now in a completely different area mm-hmm. that they kind of left the city in order to kind of perform the sonic boom because mm-hmm. that would cause a mess well and i like the fact that yeah that they end up wally says you know i don't know where we are we might even be in canada so i i really haven't checked the distance and you know if you're traveling it let's say it's like 740 something miles per hour is the breaking the sound barrier so how far they would get in that amount of time but yeah it's and it's a nice sort of wrap up but i like how it finally ends up and at the end they're both they're not friends but they're at least not as antagonistic as they were at the beginning they realize that they're both heroes in their own right and the finale is just great that they're yeah. both like he couldn't have done it without me so uh i really enjoy it and it's a nice meeting of the two mm. characters and yeah there is that sort of that sort of pairing between the flash and greenlander that's kind of iconic from the silver and bronze age and uh it's nice to see that these characters are probably going to get together in uh maybe a couple of years and in, in a book written by grant morrison um I, I do like the fact that they're actually considering being friends that's a thing they're thinking might work you know they offer to go out for drinks or something mm-hmm. is that what it, i think that's what they say yeah. um i just i like that um and it seems that everything's kind of settled between them at this point which is strange because i i haven't seen as much of the um kind of um wally bragging on kyle you know, as other people have, I haven't encountered it that much. To be honest, I haven't even encountered the people ragging on Wally yet. You know, I haven't gotten to Justice League to see how they're treating him. So well, this seems this seems like this would be the end of it. Well, I'm hoping it but, would be. But, you know, again, we've talked uh, before about mm-hmm. different characters treating uh, or different writers or different uh, yeah treating characters differently in different books. So it could be a bit of that, but yeah, yeah it's prob- this don't was know a- who's going to be doing it next. <laughs> That's true. But this was a great issue. I loved it. The artwork was great. Coloring was great story, everything about it. So uh, definitely uh, Green Lantern 67 and 66, definitely uh, some books to go pick up, especially, you know, if, if you're going out maybe on a certain uh, day to go uh, comic book shopping. Unfortunately, by the time this comes out, free comic book day will be long gone. But uh, there you go. These ones probably wouldn't be free anyway. That's uh, people would be disappointed. Uh, but what you won't be disappointed with, Segway School paying off, is our coverage of, Gre- of Guy Gardner number thirty-six. But you might be disappointed just a bit. Who knows? We'll be going to that after we get done with this break. December 7th, Earth 2, 1941, a world very much like our own, yet slightly different. 
A date which will live in infamy. A world at war. The United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. Following the Japanese sneak attack on Pearl Harbor, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt brought together the largest group of mystery men ever assembled to battle the Axis powers. Tales of the Justice Society of America presents The All-Star Squadron. The Tales of the Justice Society of America, every Friday at twotruefreaks.libson.com. My name is Steve Lacey, and I'm a podcaster. Randomizer hit my long boxes, and now I'm lost in my comic book collection. Help me. Help me. Listen, please, is there anybody out there who can hear me? I'm being controlled by an overbearing and fickle randomizer. I'm doing everything I can to review this book in the next 20 minutes. This is the 20 Minute Long Box. The 20 Minute Long Box is the briefest and most random of comic book podcasts. Every two weeks, a completely random comic book from my collection is the subject of the show. Find me at the show's site, 20minutelongbox.libsyn.com. The show's blog at 20minutelongbox.wordpress.com or search for 20 Minute Long Box on iTunes. Prepare yourself for random. And we're back. And we're back to take a look at an Underworld Unleashed crossover with Guy Gardner Warrior. Now, I'm not going to cover all of Underworld Unleashed, but I will say if you want to hear more about it, definitely go check out uh, some back issues of Views from the Long Box. Uh, this is Michael Bailey's solo podcast, where he covers basically the three issues of uh, Underworld Unleashed with uh, his semi-regular co-host, and oddly enough now, my semi-regular co-host, Thomas DJ. Basically, Underworld Unleashed was the sort of 1990s revamp of a lot of the uh, supervillains. Basically, a character called Neron, or Neuron, or something like that, uh, who was kind of an analog of Mephisto, I guess. He was kind of a demonic devil-type character. Came to Earth and basically granted all these people, you know, amped-up powers, especially the villains. He also had a uh, circle of, uh, sort of trusted circle, which involved the Joker and Lex Luthor, the Trickster, Cersei, and uh, Dr. Polaris, which was the weird looking Dr. Polaris, but it was a really good crossover and uh, something that you should probably, you know, if you've got the time and money, definitely go check out. I enjoyed reading it. Um, 
like I said, I'm not going to be covering it, but I will be covering the ancillary Guy Gardner and Green Lantern issues when we come to it. But this one is an Underworld Unleashed issue, and it's Guy Gardner Warrior number 36. So I'll go ahead and go get into my synopsis of it. It was cover dated uh, November 1995 with a release date of September 5th, 1995. Had a cover price of $1.75 US, 250 Canada, and a pound 25 UK. And the title was The Darker Side of Evil. The writer was Bo Smith. The penciler was Mark Campos. The anchor was Dan Davis. Colorist was Lee Lowridge. Letter Albert Guzman. And editor Eddie Braganza. The story opens inside the Warriors Bar with various waitstaff commenting on the absence of the proprietors, as well as the building being under repair. Again. But someone has a bit of a beef with the whole Warriors Bar thing, and that someone is... Guy Gardner? Or again, more appropriately, Guy's evil clone from the Yesterday's Sin storyline. A couple of Warriors bouncers come to escort the invading clone out, and they get an energy blast to the face for their troubles. Guy grabs a waitress, bellies up to the bar, and downs a cold one, proclaiming that the wuss with the tattoos is out of the picture, and that Guy is here to take what's due to him. And that means the entire world. Fortunately, Lead of the Metal Man, Wildcat, Lady Blackhawk, and Hooker Jim, wait, no, Aresia, are about to, are, aren't about to let that happen without a nice round of Fighting McFightens died, copyright Andrew Lane in 2011, all rights reserved. Pseudo Guy doesn't take kindly to it, the attack that blasts the quartet with the yellow, not quite really sinister ring power. But since this is an Underworld Unleashed crossover, Guy will also have to deal with an attack from the Earthworm, Cheetah, and Blackguard. Guy isn't about to give up his spoils that easy, and he joins in with the Warrior's defenders to take on the baddies. The fight runs the entirety of the bar with a lot of punchy-punchy run-run, but in the end, Pseudo-Guy is able to take out the baddies just in time to have a mysterious voice guide him to a box containing the Elder Wand, which transports him to Malfoy Manor, where he'll meet up with he who shall not be named. Uh, no, I don't mean Jeff Johns, I mean Lord Voldemort. No, no, wait, I don't mean Lord Voldemort, I meant Neron, the big bad behind Underworld Unleashed. The end. kind of a short synopsis because basically a lot of this was just uh like i said the punchy punchy run run from quoting thomas dj and also i want to thank thomas dj uh for the last uh synopsis that i did where i uh basically put the uh names of all these rock stars in for a uh, sonar that was one of the things he did in one of his early episodes of uh dj comics cavalcade i you know if you're gonna rip off you know i say you rip off from the best so thank you thomas but uh it's a bit better than the last ep- last issue of uh, Guy Gardner, but uh, I'd like to hear what you have to think about it, Dave. Uh, it's a decent enough issue. Um, as you say, it's mostly fighting, but sometimes you want that. Mm-hmm. It's a fun enough issue, although obviously we don't have the title character in it. No, in fact... Well, not uh, really? In fact, technically, the Guy Gardner warrior is nowhere to be seen in this issue. Uh, it's all Guy's clone, who hasn't been officially named yet, but he's eventually named. But so we're just going to call him Pseudo Guy, who's got, I guess he's got some sort of power 
but it's not the Sinestro ring power, but it kind of does the same thing. It looks like he's creating constructs and ener- energy weapons with it, but it's not Sinestro's sort of yellow energy. But it, it is kind of wonky, but it, it serves its purpose. It does the job he needs it to. I guess so. Kind of looks more like fire at some point, you know, just like he's got a flamethrower in his hand. Well, especially on the issue where he takes out the bou- or the uh, page where he takes out the bouncers, it does look like he's just pretty much burning them live. But if you look at some other things, it looks like there are constructs around yeah. where uh, the fire is. So it's definitely not the Sinestro ring. It's some sort of you know analog which allows him to do ring-like things, but, you know, uh, I, I guess we'll find out more about that maybe in later issues. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the cover is fairly awesome. Mm-hmm. Although, I, I think he should really have a goatee beard or something to prove that he's the evil <laughs> one. Oh, yes. Well, if if you don't have the goatee, how can you actually tell that you're evil? I mean, that was so uh, definitively defined... That was redundant uh, <laughs> in the uh, episode balance, not balance of terror, but mirror, mirror in Star Trek. So, yeah, I don't know. The, he's got the uh, Superman glowy red eyes. So I guess he's mm. going to heat vision someone here in a few as well. So that's a power that I didn't know that guys clone had kind of neat. I did have a look at old issues of or at least the covers of old issues over at Mike's Amazing World mm-hmm. uh, just to see if this matched up with anything it does kind of um it is kind of like the uh green lantern 196 as far as i can tell which mm. i think is guy's first cover yeah i think it's his, which uh, is kind of cool yeah it does uh, it is kind of reminiscent of that i mean it's it, i think that was state art at the time and this does sort of harken back that it's a more amped up look of guy. I mean, he's very mm-hmm. muscular and obviously the green lantern symbol has the uh, cross through it or the uh, slash mark through it. But yeah, it's, it's a nice cover. Uh, and it's nice to see every once in a while, the old bowl cutted guy back again. <laughs> you know, this isn't technically guy. Yeah. I do like that. It is. I just noticed that there a minute or two ago, um, the signature is on the gloves or at least some kind of signatures on the gloves or some writing. Oh, yeah. I see, I see Davis. Yeah, there's Bank. I, I'm assuming that's the Daryl Banks is actually doing the... In fact, I think, yeah, Daryl Banks does the cover and Dan Davis is doing the inking for it. So, yeah. Cool. So, I, I like that they've once again kind of hidden it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, it's not... Subversively. Right out in the middle of everything, so... But it's still there, which is good. You like to know who's done things. It was confusing me because I didn't realize that someone else had done the cover, but I, I really should have worked out that that happens, you know? Yeah, I, well, that's kind of been... I, I've seen that a lot in the covers for the Green Lantern and uh, Guy Gardner issues. A lot of times they'll pull in different artists to do the cover. I know Ron Lim had done a couple of covers. Uh, there was a few issues back where they actually swapped artists and Daryl Banks did the cover of a Guy Gardner issue and... Uh, Mitch Bird did the cover of a Green Lantern issue, so it's cool. It's nice to see different artists take on this, but it's it's a dynamic looking cover. You can really tell it's the evil one, though, even without the beard. Beards just help, really. It's oh. it's just an added added thing, and 
I guess the returns written in what is probably blood is very helpful too. Mm -hmm. Well, it's Underworld Unleashed, so there's there's going to be blood all over the place. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't realize that Warriors was at two eight one four. I, I don't know what street, but that seems to be the address on the door. Yep, I, I, I think that's a nice little subtle reference. I don't know if there would be a, a street in New York City where two eight one four would work. I may have to consult with a, um, uh, again with Mr. Thomas DJ to see if that would be an actual place or could be an actual place. But that's an interesting reference. One of the it's things- on a corner. Maybe it takes up two kind of buildings maybe they knock through into another one and they've just taken both numbers i don't know if that would work one of the things <laughs> i wanted to know is the fact that this is uh new york city proper if the damage caused uh by superhero problems in uh warriors bar would be covered by damage control i mean that'd be an awesome crossover as damage control damage control could come in and uh clean up with uh, all the problems that happens at the Warriors bar. I'd love to see that. Did you ever read any damage control or do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, they are Marvel, right? Yeah. It's um, a Marvel. Yeah, that's okay. That, that was written by, uh, Dwayne McDuffie, uh, who did, uh, you know, who passed away a while back and he did, uh, yeah. directed and wrote some of the Superman animated show, but he wrote this, uh, series called damage control which was basically an insurance firm that helped uh clean up and repair uh when superhero problems got out of hand and knocked down buildings and stuff i think i've read one or two at some point i i have vague recollections of them i i do know about them at least um i've had them show up in a couple of things but uh yeah it's i I think I, i would like to see more of it at some point it's just getting around to it with all the other reading projects i have <laughs> it's it's a fun bunch of books but um cool. um, ahead. um yeah there, there's someone wearing fishnets and a leotard and still technically more covered than aricia was last <laughs> issue that's that is true well it's even more covered than aricia will be Later in this issue, because uh, she gets into her hooker jam outfit. Yeah, I, I was thinking that um, do people really go out dressed like this? Then I remembered, oh wait, I've seen worse. <laughs> yeah, this is the '90s, and this is a bar, so yeah, it it's not it's not unheard of. Page three has a little bit too prominent a person on the far right. <laughs> Just uh, to balance yes. out the the green lantern issues mm-hmm. well yeah there's there's a different set of bulges here um obviously she's got her uh her shoulders thrown really far back because either yeah. that or she's just got her uh uh arms cut off at the elbow and attached to her shoulder because those are some really short arms but yes or could maybe someone else's hand could be yeah it could be someone reaching around to to get a uh little feel of that but yeah, those oh, are. Oh, it's an accident. He burst in. I just fell. <laughs> well, and if you were falling, you'd want to reach for something cushioning. And yeah, those are there. Either that, or the bartender's hands are really well manicured. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> again, uh, the uh, on page four, like I said, 
it does look like he's firing uh, just fire as he sort of looks like he burns up these uh, two bouncers, which are very beefy uh, Italian, you know, mulleted stereotypes. Who seem to be walking right past him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I, I don't get what's going on. Yeah, well, maybe they're going to walk and, you know, walk behind him and sneak up on him by walking in front of him. Okay, well, plan. Uh, but uh, in that second panel, it looks like uh, there's sort of an arch surrounding the character. So it looks like there's not only just fire coming out of it, but it looks like there might be a bit of construct there as well. Yeah, so. the spikes are going through them. Yeah, that's fairly uh, unpleasant. <laughs> I, I've I've mentioned in the past couple episodes that the Guy Gardner Warrior book, unlike the Green Lantern book, does not have the uh, Comics Code approval seal on it. So yeah, they're getting away with a bit more uh, violence than than uh, the other books around have. So, but I guess that kind of works for the Guy Gardner and his persona at the time. Means you could have more pointy, sharp things. Mm-hmm. And we're not talking Just... about. Uh, we're not talking about Sonar's crotch this time, thank you. <laughs> uh, I was just trying to work out what the construct was actually meant to be, if it's actually of something. You know, it does just look like a brick wall with spikes. Mm-hmm. Uh, or possibly a piranha that's made out of a brick wall. Or I, I have no idea. It's the 90s. It, just, just chalk it up to being in the 90s and that it has pockets and shoulder pads and just go with it. That's a point. It's shoulder pads with spikes. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Most of this is just him asserting his authority. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that he gulps down his beer mm-hmm. uh, from a stein. I would. Steins are awesome. I would pay for a warrior's mug like that. That would be. Mm. That would be kind of fun, you know. It would. It would be. It would be something that you know only I would have, but you know. I'd be fine with that. If they still had the, I, I as far as I'm aware, the Warner Brothers stores are closed, aren't they? Or yeah, uh, I don't think they have box? too many around. I know the Disney stores are still open, but the Wonder or the Warner Brother ones, I haven't seen too many of them. Because they could obviously market this kind of stuff there. I mean, True. heck, they don't even have to. They could just send it into the comic shops. Well, yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, I think the. Uh, the sort of Past warrior persona. Yeah, the warrior persona for Guy Gardner is pretty much left to the annals of history. And I think, again, Thomas and DJ and I are the only ones who really care about it that much. Um, the first time I saw the bar, I thought, oh, cool. And I think by five minutes later, it was destroyed. Mm-hmm. But I'm not entirely sure if that's not just a theme. I think it may be because they're quite often getting into tussle, tussles at the bar that inadvertently get it pretty much demolished. <laughs> uh, I, I do like the memorabilia and everything and the ridiculous size of the bat above the the, the mirror and stuff. It's mm-hmm. it's a nice design. It's It seems like a funky place. Wouldn't mind going there, but unfortunately fiction... Yeah. Well, I'll ask Thomas DJ, you know, if uh, 2814 exists in New York City and, you know, maybe someday we'll go up there and check it out. Uh, I don't have any notes until like page seven. 
yeah, I was vamping because I didn't have any notes for page uh, seven. Okay, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I figured I should try to try to say something about the pages in between. Yeah, no, I, I've got uh, you know, these are some of the characters that got amped up because of the whole Underworld Unleashed. We've got the Earthworm, which is in no way like Earthworm Jim, which is disappointing. I know, and we've no got super suit. Yeah, I know, and we've got Cheetah, who is just basically a, a a lot more feral with boobs. And then we've got, I don't even know who Blackguard is. I mean, he's not even a, he's not even a C list character, I think, but he's just I a did, guy in armor with a maze who likes to hit people. I, I checked out at least a little bit about him. I think he used to be a Mr. Gold villain. That's basically the most I cared to read about him. Yeah, I, um, I, I didn't want to investigate him much more because he doesn't seem like an interesting character. Yeah, in my limited research for these characters, uh, I checked out, of course, the uh, Source of All Knowledge Wikipedia, and there was no entry for either Earthworm or Blackguard. Oh, I checked them on, I think it was Comic Vine, mm-hmm. and apparently before Neron got to him, Earthworm was just a freaky looking guy who could control vermin like rats and alligators while he spent his time selling the babies of drug addicts to childless couples. And apparently now he's a freaky looking guy who controls vermin, but is able to move underground and eats people. So (sighs) at least he's not having sex with corpses. (laughs) I guess there is that. So, yeah. Uh, So... Uh, moving on, there's fight, fight, fight. We get uh, Lady Blackhawk and uh, Wildcat fighting alligators and rats. So there's that. Uh, we've got Cheetah and Aresia going after each other. So it's because they're girls. Yeah, it's always fun to have girls fighting. But uh, it's a cat fight. Uh, oh, I see what you did there, sir. Well played. Uh. And I guess Cheetah, you know, uh, likes to run around in the buff, which is fine. But, yeah. uh, you know, if if she actually was more like a cheetah, would she have technically three pair of breasts? That's a point. Yeah, I, one I think I'm going to stop thinking about and move on. Um, but, yeah, there, there's never an angle where you get to see her kind of from the front or... There's, there's always something covering mm-hmm. her, if you know what I mean. Oh, never mind. No, page 16. She, she, she loses it. Um, moving back to to page 10, uh, I haven't mentioned the automatopoeia in the book, but I, I love the uh, the here where uh, Pseudo Guy is blasting his, uh, I guess that's the uh, the screaming skull at someone, and the, uh, the automatopoeia was blood douche. Yeah, yeah, whenever you can use cool. the word bladouche, I think you should use it all the time. Bladouche. Uh, I and like also, the font change in it. It's fairly funky. Mm-hmm. And and the fact, I know they're all enthusiastic about wanting to see who's going to win this fight, but for the love of God, people who are in the bar, <laughs> get out. Just, just, uh, I, and maybe they think this is just part of the dining. Maybe this is like you know it. TGI Fridays when someone has a birthday and all the 
all the people come around and do something wacky. They're thinking, oh, well, this is just part of the, the warrior's experience. We get to see people fight. No. No, you idiots. People are trying to kill each other. Get out. Well, the bad guys did come in through the front door, so... Uh, that is true. Well, but one of them crashed through the front door. But yeah, again, that might be... Plus, with all the fighting going on, maybe they haven't had a chance. You know, they're trying to avoid getting stabbed or missed or clawed or eaten. Yeah, that's you know? true. Uh, Plus, alligators. Oh, yeah, that's true. You don't. Yeah, there there are alligators in the sewers, and they're climbing up. Uh, uh, page fourteen. Uh, let's see. Again, hearkening back to Mystery Science Theater three thousand. This one. Uh, I guess it's panel three here on the side where guy says, come back here, little slime. And uh, uh, Earthworm dives into the floor and says, your weapons are, are useless against me, fool. I just think of uh, Prince of Space. <laughs> I told you, your weapons have no effect on me. It is my considered advice that you discontinue your use of said weapon. <laughs> Empirical data suggests the accuracy of my earlier contention that your weapons against me are without merit. <laughs> Allow me to reference my earlier codicil on how your weapons are ineffective. Oh, I love Princess Vias. Oh, I, I love him more than Duke of Puddles. He was far more... And I like him better than uh, the invasion of the Neptune Man. I didn't like uh, Space Chief all that much, but Prince of Space <laughs> was awesome. Uh, I only watched it about a month or two ago. So oh, God. This is awesome. So good. It's one of the better. Ah, your weapons will not work on me. <laughs> let me restate that the let me restate the fact that your weapons are useless against me. Have I mentioned that? Brilliant. We get to see a little bit of the memorabilia on page 15, one of the uh, statues of the Guardians in here uh, that, for some reason, I guess, didn't uh, catch the brunt of the explosion. So that's good. <laughs> it's uh, because it's actually just a real Guardian. He's just <laughs> he's just pretending to be there because the other ones are kind of dead for a reason. He's just going, oh, my okay, God. if I stay here and don't move, at least I'm not dead. <laughs> if I stay here and don't move. Oh, crap, explosion. Oh, you know, you know, here's what I'm thinking even worse. Maybe Guy went to Oa and brought back one of the corpses of the Guardians and actually had him stuffed and mounted. Sort of like Trigger. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. That's a... The, why do I think these things? I'm glad <laughs> I don't see a Kilowog. Oh, not Kilowog, no. <sighs> but on uh, page 16, we get a... Uh, Wildcat locking Cheetah in the uh, super cold freezer, and then we get some some boob sickles. So there's that. Yeah, it does a Jurassic Park on her. Ah, uh, yeah, that's cool. They do describe the Velociraptors as, as having Cheetah speed. So that's true. Jumps out of the way and throw tricks her in, in the, going into the freezer. Mm-hmm. Uh it's a waste of a perfectly good costume, though. I mean, how many cat costume? things can you buy just off the rack you have to get that tailor made yeah probably uh, but it's it's a nice looking costume if if it is a costume but other than that there's a lot more there's a lot more fighting fightenstein throughout the issue uh, uh one thing that i did like was uh when uh, earthworm is attacking lady blackhawk on page 17 and he says uh 
Yes, you will be a perfect choice to spawn my new subterranean army. <laughs> and then Lady Blackhawk <laughs> says, I've got a better idea. Go spawn yourself. <laughs> I think that's a nice get around to what she was actually wanting to say. Yeah. I, I like it there. Uh, uh, Smith, uh, I enjoy his sort of quippage that he uses throughout the book. But other than that, we get the finale, uh, you know, because the rest of it's just a bunch of fight, 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 fight. And in the end, uh, I mentioned it was the Elder One from Harry Potter. Yeah. But it actually, uh, technically what it is, I guess what Neuron did was he left the characters a uh, candle that when they ignited it, it uh, brought them to whatever realm he was in, technically hell, and yeah. allowed Neron to uh, tempt these characters with amped up powers or whatever. So that's kind of what we get in the final uh, final pages. But did you have uh, anything else you want to talk? I mean, this this isn't this isn't a horrible issue. It's better. I liked it better than the last one, definitely. But there's not just a lot to talk about. There's it's fighting. It's mostly fighting. Yeah, it's fighting. The artwork is uh, is decent. It's very '90s. It's very amped up, and there's a lot of stuff going on. But uh, unlike uh, what we saw in the Way of the Warrior stuff, the characters are distinct. Uh, you can tell who they are. Uh, so it's. It's a lot more enjoyable than uh, some of the stuff that we've seen earlier. But, yeah, it's just basically a big old fight sequence, which, you mm -hmm. know, if you're reading a Bo Smith penned book, I think if you're not expecting a big fight sequence, you're just, uh, I don't know, you're looking in the wrong place. It is fun for what it is, and it's got alligators in it. <laughs> so You can't go wrong with alligators. No, it's... They, they do seem to make it a lot more fun and add that little bit of extra danger. Mm -hmm. I mean, remember what happened to Molaram? Oh, that's true. Well, well thankfully, the, crocodiles, though. the Shankara stones aren't involved in the story at all. Well, yeah, unless Sonar was actually packing one of the Shankara stones on the cover, so that could be it. Ah. Uh, you never know. Uh, but, you know, an enjoyable issue, but, you know, just, again, basically a bunch of fighting, so... Uh, there you have it, I guess. You know, at least the Green Lantern issues were, you know, I think every once in a while it switches up. Uh, you know, you'll have have every once in a while a Green Lantern issue, which is kind of meh, and you'll have a Guy Gardner issue that's really good. Uh, we kind of had that, you know, at the beginning of Bo Smith's run. And now it's kind of switching the opposite way, where Kyle's coming more into his own in the Green Lantern issue, and uh, Guy Gardner's kind of, well, not really treading water, but just it's kind of directionless after they got the whole uh, Dementor storyline and all this. So it's working out well. Uh, the books are still are still enjoyable reads, but this time out, I think the Green Lantern book was basically the standout of these two. That's that's my overall thoughts for the uh, for the show. I think I preferred the Green Lantern issues. I'm I'm gonna go with you on that, but the the Guy Gardner stuff was still fun in its own way. But Kyle and Wally seem to have a bit more fun with their issues than mm -hmm. I mean I mean this one has people going to hell or at least whatever the DC equivalent is. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm assuming that's where they're going, and I'm assuming that because it's a place name, that it's perfectly fine to say. Um, oh yeah, 
as as a location as opposed to uh, um, expletive. Sure. Um, so that's where he's gone, and the repercussions from it should be interesting. At least I hope they're interesting. It'd be well, kind of boring if they weren't. But I, I think um, there's an, I think there's another issue uh, dealing with the underworld unleashed because I, I think it spanned over three months. So I think the next issue will deal a bit more with uh, Guy dealing with uh, the whole underworld thing. So we'll see how what Neron has to do with him. And of course, next issue, Kyle gets to deal with uh, you know Neron and his temptation. So we'll see how all that works out. But uh, if you don't have any more to talk about the issues, I will go ahead and wrap this up. Nope. Okay. I am finished for now. Well, cool. Well, Dave... It has been just an immense pleasure for me to have you on the show. Uh, you were the first guest that I had on the show, and uh, I am so glad that you were able to make it on again. Uh, anytime you want to come on and talk, well, you know, when we when we get to another episode, I think there's a few more down the line where the Flash comes into mm-hmm. the book. I will definitely be contacting you and uh, having you on the show. I should look forward to it. Uh, why don't we go ahead and we'll let people know where they can find you on the internet. Uh, what kind of stuff are you doing out there nowadays? Okay, well, obviously you can find me over at Flash Legacies at flashlegacies.libson.com. Uh, that's where I put up my show about Wally West and talk about his adventures. Um, I think I'm still on William Messner Loeb stuff, as far as I remember. Um, and I should hopefully be getting into some Justice League stuff sometime soon. I believe that comes up in the next few episodes, if I ever get around to getting them out. Um, also, I have showed up on this show before. Um, I think it was in around episode 30-something. So if you haven't listened to it already, go back to the first episode and work your way up. Because obviously you should start from the beginning and then go all the way up to this one. Enjoy this one and then go back and listen to them all again until a new episode comes out. And then go listen to my show. But yes, apart from that, I've shown up on uh, Charlie's Geekcast. Um, it's a great show by Charlie Niemeyer where we got to talk about some Transformers. And I popped up on an episode of the Fantasticast uh, where I got to talk about Diablo, um, a menace from the ancient past. It was quite fun over with Andy and Stephen at their show. Mm-hmm. And I do occasionally pop up on the Two True Freaks network on Who True Freaks. Hopefully I've said that clear enough for people to get. Oh, yes. And that is hosted usually by... Uh, who's, who is it? Um, uh, some so, some other British guy and some idiot from Oklahoma. Yeah. You should maybe check that out. It's It's... Yeah rambling about doctor who well and it's uh it's a good show about uh all the iterations of doctor who i mean they're and it's it's kind of like the uh, you know i don't want to say that it's like back to the bins but it's kind of the back to the bins of doctor who we're just taking random episodes of doctor who and talking about them and uh you know distilling down the characterization of the doctor and how he's changed throughout the years and we've got uh we've had an interesting panel of guests so far and uh Dave has been one of the people on uh, the last show that they came out with, uh, which was uh, that was the uh, Talons of Wen. Yeah, Chiang. the Talons of Wen Chang, which is just a great. Uh, it's a great Tom Baker episode. So it is great, but it's uh, got giant rats in it. Hey, 
correlation. There we go. It's synergy. There were rats in this. Said Guy Gardner is just like Talon's Wing Chia. It's perfect synchronicity. <laughs> and on that completely random note, I'm going to say thank you everyone for listening to the show. Again, Dave, thank you for coming on and being a guest here. I really appreciate it. It's wonderful to talk to you. No problem. We will catch you guys on the next episode of Just One of the Guys. So in seven days, we'll see you all again. Bye, folks. Bye. You've been listening to Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast, hosted by yours truly, Sean Ingle. All images, stories, and music are copyright their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. This podcast is done solely out of my desire to show the denizens of the internet that comic books can be fun, humorous, compelling, thought-provoking, and exciting while not having to fall into the weary tropes of the 1990s. I'm not in any way doing this for Monastery Kane, which irritates my wife to no end. All feedback for the show can be sent to the show's Gmail account at justoneoftheguyspodcast at gmail.com. All feedback, positive and negative, is warmly welcomed. All spam bots are warmly welcomed, too. And as long as your definition of a warm welcome is for them to die horribly in a fire. The website address for the show can be found at justoneoftheguys, all one word, dot libsyn, spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N, dot com. There you can find the RSS feed, as well as scans of the covers, and whatever else I feel like putting in. Look for me on iTunes. Just search for Just One of the Guys podcast, and be sure to leave a review there. I'd love to read it on the next episode. You can also search for me on Facebook. I mean, you won't find me there, because I don't have an account there. But if you have enough free time to listen to me babble on about funny book characters, you obviously can spare some time to wander around on Facebook. Thanks for downloading and listening, and come back next Friday for another episode of Just One of the Guys, a Greenland podcast. And it ties into Underworld Unleashed a little. Yeah, and I will will kind of uh, mention Underworld Unleashed and give kind of a sort of brief synopsis, but I actually went and uh, checked out some back issues of uh, views from the long box and Michael Bailey and uh, Thomas DJ actually do like a two part episode uh, covering pretty much. They cover the, the three issue uh, mini series and they kind of talk about the ancillary books and what was going on through the DC universe. And it, it, they seem to really like it. Uh, I vaguely remember it. I think I've got the three issues, but uh I don't have all the crossovers, but I did like John Sim, although his he was a little strange, but yeah, I kind of liked it. See, I I agree, and you haven't you haven't heard it yet because it hadn't been released. But Andy uh, uh, talked about uh, having oh, what was his name, Giles from Buffy in the uh, oh, school. Anthony Stewart head. Yeah, uh, Anthony, yeah, yeah, him uh, in the uh, as the character in the school reunion episode as the headmaster of the, sh- of the school that he would have made a perfect master. Oh yeah, uh, there is one that I think maybe gets close, maybe two. Um, the Adam, maybe, I, but I don't have that much experience with him, and possibly um, John Jones. Yeah, just, I, just I, a little bit. Yeah, you know, and for what they did, uh, what's his name? David Ogden Styers wow. kind of looked like 
the Martian Manhunter, maybe. Well, but he was the else. first live-action version. Yeah, and he he has worked with the proper Green Lantern, I guess. He he was in early seasons of Two Guys, a Girl, and a Pizza Place. I did not I did not know that connection. So, well. I I generally connect things up. It's like um, the the proper Green Lantern that you probably really wanted. Um, I don't I don't mind um, the Ryan Reynolds version, but sorry, would have preferred Nathan Fillion. Also, two guys, a girl, and a pizza place. Although it was two guys and a girl, I think by that point. 